it, it's this whole thing about, you know, increasing your health span, right? And, and how long can you live a really kick-ass quality of life? Um, and I think we're, we're finding that by exercising, by eating a whole food plant strong diet, by, you know, getting optimal sleep, you can really start to push the boundaries uh, of what we thought was possible. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff that's coming, <laughs> coming to the forefront and coming online here that'll probably happen in our lifetimes that, you know, we never dreamed possible where we can extend our, our lifespan, you know, maybe into 150, 180, 200. I mean, just mind-blowing stuff. Welcome. How's it going? Dave and Steve here, and we're delighted to have you back, or for the first time, we are genuinely honored. What's our podcast about, Steve? Uh, this week, we have an all-round American hero. Uh, this is someone we connected with many years ago with his father and has been a huge role model to us in so much of our work. Uh, Rip is Caldwell's son. Oh, sorry, Caldwell just... Esselstyn's son. He's a plant-based triathlete. that was a pre- professional triathlete, all-American swimmer that became a firefighter and ran all sorts of experiments with his fellow firefighters on putting them on a plant-based diet and see how it affected and their health. And he's been such a trailblazer in the plant-based movement. He's been a wonderful bridge between medicine and research and the practical application in kind of strong, macho environments such as firehouses and triathletes. Yeah, and he's recently launched a food brand, so we talked about that and lots of different things. Very, very cool human, very inspiring and uh, yeah, from a wonderful them. tribe, a wonderful pack, the Esselstyn. Um, yeah, we originally came across them from emailing. Uh, Rip's dad is a is a doctor that worked in the Cleveland Clinic and was uh, one of the first doctors to ever prove in clinical trials that you could reverse the indicators of cardiovascular disease. So his research and his book. Uh, prevent and reverse heart disease was so iconic for us and it was such an inspiration for us starting our happy heart courses yeah and I remember reading it and trying to get in touch with Caldwell and Caldwell's email just goes to his wife Anne because Caldwell didn't really do email this is a good like 10 or 12 years ago and so we formed this lovely friendship with his mom with Rip's mom and used to chat with her and chat with even Caldwell on the and phone and we got to phone them a few times and they were like the sweetest nice you know yeah. the way you always dreamt of having these people that were so supportive and encouraging and they were just it was always you left feeling like with this big glow in your face Anyway, so I, I think we're rambling here now. But a uh, really cool podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Rip Esselstyn, we give you. And thank you for um, tuning into our podcast. We're most grateful. We've done loads of episodes. So if you, if you enjoy this one, please check them out too. So Hi. what's your morning being, Rip? Talk to us. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I... Whew, so I woke up at 6.15 a.m. Not, you know, not as early as you boys getting into the ocean. And then I, I jumped on my bicycle and I biked uh, about, th- about eight miles, so 30 minutes to the pool. I do a master's program and then I swam for an hour and then I jumped on the bike. I biked home and then I had my Rips Big Bowl concoction cereal, right? And I remember from the podcast, you guys each have your, your bowl or something that you guys like. And, uh, and here I am. Jeez, that's a busy morning. I like that that you put uh, exercise first, and that sense that space for yourself, that sense oh, of mental yeah. and physical well being. I, I, I love I love getting it out of the way, and first thing in the morning, and then it's you know it's it's money in the bank, and then anything you do like later on in the day, like if I decided to do, well, I also knocked out thirty pull uh, pull ups, right? So I got home and knocked out thirty pull ups, and then jumped in the pool, and then jumped in my clothes and. Got the bowl, pull-ups, I ate, so. and I ate. I ate the big bowl while I was driving. 
to my office, you know, uh, had it in between. Job, my 30, now let's just break this down. So 30 yeah. pull-ups in between an eight mile bike ride and an hour long swim. Is that like full extension pull-ups? Is that like in sets of five or is that oh, yeah, no, 30 that, big no, boys Dave, in a row? Dave and Ga- David Goggins approved pull-ups. <laughs> wow. 30 in a row, yeah. like. No, not 30 in a row. So I did, I did 10 and then I did eight and then I did seven and then I did five. Wow. Good nice. job. Rip. I'm normally happy if I get past 20. I'm like, yes. Listen, I was thinking, I want to learn how to stand on my hands. And I, I'm That's sure easy. there's a way to, to do that. And you guys probably have the, uh, hold the key wow. to that. Jeez, that's an amazing morning routine. That's like banging. Yeah, <laughs> we're, we're, we're in the yep. kitchen these days. So we're, I meet Dave at 10 past five and it's like, hey, Dave. Hi, Steve. You want to make some food? Welcome to yep. Groundhog Day, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Let's prep some veg. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. cool. Uh, we, we've recently got into swimming. Like we've always, so we do swim at sunrise, but only recently we've kind of actually like, but realistically it was just dipping. Like we'd kind of get in and paddle around a little bit and have a chat and get out. But like, it's only been, I'd say in the last month, we actually swim across the cove and back. We put on hats, we put on goggles and we swim a whole 250 meters. Would you believe it? 250 meters. Um, but, but we yeah, find it's it amazing. so enjoyable. Yeah, but what, what's the temperature of that water? Uh, it's about fifteen point eight degrees or something. Can you can you help me out? What's that in Fahrenheit? Oh, uh, don't know. know. It's, like it's like this is the peak of summer. This is as hot as it gets. So like so I, it gets drops down to six. Maybe Sarah, could you have a look on Google there now and see what Fahrenheit? Yeah, let's is. see let's what Fahrenheit. Because I want you to know. So I, I went on vacation recently to the North Shore of Lake Superior. And the temperature there was 43 degrees Fahrenheit, which is That's cold. Isn't it? I'm, I'm, I'm going to imagine, and Sarah will have to let us know that that is colder than six degrees Celsius. Yeah, I'd say it is. Yeah. yeah I'll have a look here. I mean, it is, it is, it is brutal. I mean, you, know, you have to put on the, wet scoot, suits and all that. Well, I don't, I didn't swim. I mean, I would, you know, I would jump in for 10 seconds and then I'm okay, out. Yeah. That's, that's yeah, all that's I can cold. handle. That's, okay, four, four, that's degrees. four degrees Celsius. That's cold. That's called ice swimming. Anything below five degrees Celsius is deemed ice swimming because moving water can't obviously freeze. Yep. Yep. Especially if uh, if it's salt water, right? Yeah. 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 There you so go. it's 60 degrees Fahrenheit. That's what the water is at the moment. 60 so degrees. Pleasant. Yes. Yeah. That, that's, that's frigid. That's not brutal, but that's that's cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's not. So, so like, for example, when the Titanic sank, whatever that was, 1928 or something like that. The, the, I think I got the year wrong there, but the temperature of the water was like 28 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. But because it was salt water, it didn't, it, you know, it wasn't frozen, but there were ice patches there. And that's why so many people, you just can't survive in that water for more than, you know, a couple minutes. Wow. wow. So, so how long, like, cause you've been a swimmer. Like I, I definitely want to hear your backstory, but we've only recently got into swimming, like swimming across the cove. And I find it incredible because it's like, it's like doing breath work because you have to focus on your breath. You've got the cold water. And then I find it really good for my chest and shoulders. Like, and I get a feeling like about two double espressos. Like it's amazing. And like, you've always been a swimmer and that's been your main sport. Isn't that right? It has. I mean, that that was the sport that I grew up kind of trying to perfect. And then I went to school on a swimming scholarship to the University of Texas at Austin. I went to the Olympic trials. I was an All-American at University of Texas. And then I did triathlons 
for almost for a decade full time as a kind of a as a professional. And then I became a firefighter and then I continued to do triathlons at a world class level for another almost 15 years until I was in my early 40s. Um, but swimming was has always been the backbone of uh, of my training. It's always been my my biggest strength. Wow. Uh, the, and the running, you know, these were the runners these days in triathlons, they're running like in, at, at the Olympics recently. Mile swim, 25 mile bike, 6.2, 10 kilometer run. These guys are running sub 30 uh, for a 10K run after a mile swim and a 25 mile bike. It's insane. Wow. But it's because they're, they're being bred literally being bred as triathletes. So they don't have a weakness. They're, they, they swim, they run, they bike, and, um, and that's what they do. Whereas I was a swimmer that then tried to learn to bike and run. Wow. So you always came out in triathlons, you came out of the water first. I was, I was, I would say it's fair to say for almost a decade, I was the premier open water swimmer in the sport of, of wow. triathlon. Um, and then I would, hang on for top two, usually on the bike. And then depending upon the, the, the event, I uh, would usually finish top 10, top five. Um, you know, I did the Hawaii Ironman triathlon twice, which is not my forte because it's so bloody long. I mean, you're out there for eight to 10 hours. And, but I was first out of the water and then I was top 10 to like the 56 mile mark. And then the monkey jumped on my back and I came <laughs> off the bike like, 220th and i finished 564th it was ugly <laughs> wow first out of the water though fair play that's a hard thing to do though to like your the goal of your race is not let anyone pass you when you get out of the water and that's a tough <laughs> mindset to be in like you're you know it's like don't screw up you know that type of mindset as opposed to i'm gonna catch that person in front of me it's a completely different mindset very very well said and yeah, you're, you're kind of out there and you're kind of always doing a little bit of this. Although you don't want to, you're always kind of like. Looking behind all right, you. All right, all right, can't see anybody. Okay, good. Keep it up, keep it up. Keep up. And, then on, and then on the run, it was just hang on for dear life. Because <laughs> it was running your weakness. I did the it was, three. My, it, it was my weakness of the three, but I can tell you that, you know, by the, by the time I got into it, I was running a 33, 30, 33, 40 depending upon the course and how hilly it was and how hot it was, but I was running sub 34 for a 10 K after the swim and the bike. And I, and I was still, I was getting caught and passed by these guys that are running back when I did it, they were running 31s, 32s. So I needed a good two minute cushion off the bike. Oh, if yeah. I wanted to cross that finish line first. Wow. <laughs> Jeez, wow. That's amazing. Fair yeah. play, Rip. You're brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's great crack. Uh, oh, so, okay. Let's, you've got a wonderful backstory. Can you give us like a, a hero's journey? Cause lots of people will know you from bits of what you've done and they might know you from forks over knives as a firefighter, or they might've seen you in game, game changers. They might've read one of your books or they might've bought your products in whole foods. But can you give us a quick summary? Cause like our first connection with you really was via your parents. It was via yeah. emailing your mom. Cause your dad doesn't really do email. Um, and ask him, we had originally started a happy heart course. And I remember emailing, we had got Caldwell's email, which really was your mom and email and writing back and forth with your mom back about 15 years ago. 
and you know it all went from there so yeah well it's funny because literally 10 minutes ago i was talking to my mom and uh and i said yeah guess what i'm going on the uh, the happy pair uh podcast with uh, with david and steven and she's like oh my gosh tell those guys hello and they are amazing and i'm like i know they are i know they are <laughs> but um you guys you guys are so 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 fun um yeah so <clears throat> i'm trying to think how to how to grow up in a fun, like where did you grow up upper state new york with a like you've got an incredible family culture like you've got like yeah. the brady bunch meets the olympians like you're like <laughs> Meet Sparta, like you're incredible achievers, like you're, and you're such a strong knit family. Like. Even Caldwell was an Olympic medalist, wasn't he, for rowing, as well yeah. as being a remarkable surgeon and you know bestseller yeah. and et cetera, et cetera. No, I know the the um, both sides of my of, of my family tree. So my mom, my mother's side and my father's side are a lot of accomplished individuals, right? That that are doing things. Um, they're following their passion. They're following their truths, and they do it to kind of um, help humanity, right? So, like on my my mother's side of the um, the the family, my great grandfather George Washington Crile founded the Cleveland Clinic in 1921, which is wow. he was the first person to to perform a successful blood transfusion from one human being to another in the late. 1800s um he uh he was he was so highly sought after that albert einstein asked for a private visit with him and they spent one whole night on a railroad train going from someplace to someplace just sharing their views on you know life with each other um so he was he was a remarkable human being i mean just to give you an idea at the age of eight plowing the fields in chile ohio he would plow plow and push this this plow with one hand and with the other hand he'd be reading books he had such a thirst for for knowledge then his son my grandfather basically brought the um lumpectomy or the partial mastectomy to america he basically discovered it over in the uk and this is back in like the 1960s and everybody said he was a quack you know, the radical mastectomy is the way to go with, uh, with breast cancer. And he's like, no, there's, there's no reason to do it. It's hugely disfiguring. This way is just as, 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 uh, as successful. And now it's the, it's the norm, right? But he was literally, you know, 20, 30 years ahead of the curve. And my father grew up almost as best friends with my mother's father, Barney Cryle. And so he got to see this man that was not that was so willing to do the right thing as opposed to the thing that was that would make him the most money and uh and i think that he had a huge effect on my father and my father's mentality when he in 1984 started this research at the cleveland clinic to show that you can reverse heart disease with something something as simple as a whole food plant-based diet and again, he had so many detractors. He had people calling him a quack, Dr. Sprouts. Uh, this man is an embarrassment to the profession. But as we know now today, you know, it took, it took two individuals that had the 
you know, the cojones to basically do this research outside the field of cardiology to show that you can, in fact, make huge strides with halting, preventing, and in many cases, reversing heart disease with something as simple and cost-effective as Brussels sprouts, steel cut oats, sweet potatoes, uh, and lots and lots of kale, collards, and, and Brussels sprouts. So, um, <laughs> but, so these are the figures that I had that I was kind of had either heard about or were looking up to when I was growing up. And it's so informed, you know, without me even knowing it really, my direction uh, in life. And uh, did, did you feel driven to kind of go down the medical route? Because it seems like your family is very much, you know, highly intertwined with kind of medicine and this serious high achievement. Did you feel a pressure to kind of go and, oh, I better be a doctor? Yeah. So good question. And then on my father's side of the family, my dad's father was also a physician and founded this clinic in rural upstate New York um, and, and was quite a pioneer in his own right. So, but you know what? I never did. And it was because for whatever reason, I just, I just knew that medicine wasn't for me. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, I am now trying to help people and save lives but I'm you know, going about it in, in a much different approach than my father. And it's just around the education of people eating, eating more plants and, and a lot less or no animal products, um, which ser has served me well in my life, you know, because I went to the University of Texas on a swimming scholarship, as I said earlier. And then when I graduated, you guys, the thought of a nine to five desk job was just absolutely excruciating. And I, um, an old swimming friend of mine said, Hey, I'm going to this triathlon. Will you be my pit crew? And this was in 1986 and the summer of 1986, I said, sure. I'd love to. And I can remember seeing these gazelles crossing the finish line. Uh, Scott Tinley was one of them and just never seeing a human being as fit in my life and thinking, wow, that's, that's pretty darn cool. And then I also remember thinking back to 1981 and, on ABC, Why World of Sports, seeing Dave Scott, the man, cross the finish line at the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon, and just thinking, this guy is a, this guy is a stallion, and oh my God, he's running a 2:45 marathon in 100 plus degree heat after a 2.4 mile swim and a 112 mile bike, and so well, I just decided, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for this triathlon thing, and I moved back to Austin, Texas, where I'd been going to school. And uh, for the next 10 years, that's what I did full time. And because my father's research was about two to three years old, showing that you could not only prevent, but reverse heart disease, I, I had that to basically inform me that um, maybe there's a, a better way to, to not only eat for health, and keep in mind that my father's father had his first heart attack at 42, right? Wow. Grew, up on a, grew up on a dairy farm, Black Angus farm in upstate New York. Um, and we have a horrendous family history of people on our, on our, in our family, both sides, dying from you know, breast cancer, prostate cancer, geoblastomas, you name it. So you know, there's a lot of people out there that think, oh, you Esselstyns, you just have the most amazing genes. 
It's like, no, not true, right? We, our family is just as riddled with all these chronic Western diseases as every other family, but we've put the brakes on that since my mom and my dad started their research and this way of eating in 1984. And so future generations, I think, will be, will be spared the, um, the, the ugliness uh, of, of what past generations have had to go through. And what age are your folks now? Because uh, I saw they're dad, 60 my years My dad's going to be 88 this year. What a legend. Which, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'll have to go back and look, which is probably a, a record for male Esselstons. Wow. <laughs> and then my mom is, uh, in July, turned, um, turned 86. Wow. And, 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 you know, I mean, you know, I, so I, I just got back from the farm. I was there for two weeks visiting them. Every morning woke up and went, for an hour bike ride with my dad on these backcountry farm roads, uh, went for swims in the pond with my mother. And this is after she would go for an hour long uh, hike run through the fields. These, I mean, these guys are living, breathing examples uh, of what this lifestyle can be like um, into, your, into your late 80s and hopefully 90s and early 100s, right? yeah i mean you so it's this whole thing about you know increasing your health span right and and how long can you live a really kick-ass quality of life um and i think we're we're finding that by exercising by eating a whole food plant strong diet by you know getting optimal sleep you can really start to push the boundaries uh, of what we thought was possible. Um, and there's a lot of other stuff that's coming, <laughs> coming to the forefront and coming online here that'll probably happen in our lifetimes that, you know, we never dreamed possible where we can extend our, our lifespan, you know, maybe into 150, 180, 200. I mean, just mind blowing stuff. And what do that sound like? So what kind of stuff are, that sounds exciting. Like, I like that. That sounds exciting. Well, what kind of stuff are we time? <laughs> Will you give us a few clues? Well, you know, listen, like, um, whew, I'm trying to think where to start here. Um, but they're, I mean, they are doing stuff now with, with wearables, with artificial intelligence, with, doing, you know, transplants with every, basically every organ in the body uh, that I think that you're going to see in the next 25 years, this, the landscape is going to look completely different. And we're going to be having conversations around the, the, the ethical nature of, does this make sense for us to live this long um, as we approach 10 billion people on the planet? Wow. Uh, and, and, and I think we're going to have some really, really tough, yet exciting conversations around longevity. Wow. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. I love that, Rip. Very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. There's a guy, there's a guy, I, I haven't read it yet. Uh, he's a Russian and he started this fund around the, uh, it's a longevity fund. And his name is uh, Serge, Sergei Young. Sergei Young. What a good name. Well, I, yeah, well, I, I, I think he changed his name, but he, he's all about like pushing the boundaries of the health span and, and the lifespan. And, and, and he does it in a very optimistic 
eternally optimistic way. Um, I think I think Rich, Rich Roll recently had him on his podcast. Pretty wow, good. I love it. the distinction between health span and lifespan because it's not necessarily how long you live, it's how qual the quality of those years, like as in how healthy you can be within those years. Oh, completely, completely. And I, and you know, outside of what I think we're all doing right now with, you know, exercise, sleep, um, what we're doing as far as what we're putting into our mouths. Uh, I haven't really thought much beyond that, but I think there's some new exciting frontiers that are out there that, uh, that we'll all be exploring here pretty soon. Uh, like one of the things that he, that, that Serge, I, I know is like, he talks about early, de early detection and what that can do and how, for example, you know, there's a fair amount of people that we, we know that come down with colon cancer and, uh, you know, it's a little, it's a little bit cost prohibitive, you know, it would cost a couple thousand dollars, but there's now this technology where you can basically for $19, you can um, take this thing and find out if you have any kind of the beginnings of colon cancer for 19 bucks. And so who, who wouldn't want to, you know, do that um, in their thirties, forties, uh, if you have a family history of colon cancer, um, you know, there's, I have, I had a guy on the podcast, maybe you guys have, uh, what's his name, Chris, I'm spacing on his name right now, but, um, he came down with colon cancer at a young age and was able to beat it, but it was just brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember his name. He's fabulous. Good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Fabulous, Chris. Pretty cool. Uh, Rip, one thing I'd love to go back to is like, how did you go for transition from being a professional triathlete into a fireman? Because, you know, fireman is one of these heroic jobs. Again, male role model. You grew up in a, it, it sounds like, you know, your mother is a phenomenal force. And also there was a huge amount of very iconic male role, model, role models going up. And it's quite interesting that you picked two careers that both are like symbols of masculinity and power and strength, you know, that way. Yeah. Well, you know what, that, that didn't really weigh into my thinking as far as going into something that's masculine and, you know, manly for me. So I'd spent the last 10 years of my life swimming, biking, running, gallivanting all over the globe with my Speedo, my Nikes and my, you know, my, my bike. And it was fabulous. But at some point after a decade, it did get a little bit old and it was like, you know what? It's, it's time for me to, me to move on. I'm almost 34 now. And, you know, you only want to like abuse your body and push it to the limit physically like that for so long, especially when that's all you're doing. And so it, my body and my mind, I was like, it's time for me to move on. It's time for me to close that chapter and move on to a new chapter. And that's when, uh, I had some triathlete friends that I trained with. They weren't full-time triathletes, but they were age group triathletes. They were also firefighters here in Austin. And I was, I, they knew I was looking for my next move. And they said, you know what, come down to the firehouse and ride out with us one day and, you know, see what it's like. But, you know, this is a kick ass profession. It's like this fraternity sorority, mostly fraternity where you go out and you do anywhere between five to 15 good deeds a day. 
and then you're making meals together and uh I th- you, you'd probably absolutely love it so i went down to the animal house of the austin fire department it's fire station one it's in the center of downtown there's two engines there one fire tr- so two fire engines one fire truck and an ambulance so at any one point in time you've got about 18 typically guys at the station the testosterone is out of it's just nutty and i was like this is a lot of fun and you know getting there's nothing like getting on that that fire engine and going code three and you're going and you're trying to save the day. You're trying to, you know, be this Olympian that's going to jump out of the truck and, you know, help this person that's got a medical condition or run into a burning building. And it was exciting. And I was looking for my next rush. So for me, I'll get back to what you, you guys said. It wasn't so much the male thing as to me, it was, it was doing good, good work in a team. I've been doing the triathlons for so long and it was so individualistic and so kind of isolating those long hours on the road training and so i just cherished the thought of jumping in with a crew uh, of kind of like-minded for me it was guys i never had women on my shift so with guys and we're all pulling in the same direction and these guys became my second family and in a hurry because when you're you know when you uh, when you're doing CPR on somebody and you save their life and it's a team effort, you're high five and you're giving each other hugs. When you go into a burning building and put that, that fire out, when you, you know, make a gnarly car accident, it's just, you never know what's around the corner. Um, but the, the, the bond is very, very deep. It's as deep as any relationships I've ever had in my life with, with these guys. And I think that's one of the reasons why we were able to do something that was probably the first of its kind, which was start a plant strong firehouse in the most unlikely place imaginable, which is the land of beef, Austin, Texas. Wow. Yeah. I remember you saying that um, typically the the leading cause of illness for any firefighter is cardiovascular disease or or heart disease. Or the number thing when you were called out, the number like the fire truck was called out, not so much for fires, but as much for heart diseases, cardiac arrest. So both, both of you guys are right on. So, so, Hey, which one of you guys is Steven? Which is David? (laughs) David here in the gray. David's in the gray. Okay. So Steven, yes, you're right. So the, the number one cause of death amongst in the line of duty firefighters is heart attacks. So that's the number one killer of firefighters. It's heart not attacks. fires. On the job, not fires, not getting into an accident, you know, going code, code three. And then <clears throat> David, um, your point was, what was it again? <laughs> it was the, the main reason. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know what it was. I know what, I know what it was. Yes. And so, so the number one cause of fatalities for firefighters was heart disease. And the number one thing that we did as firefighters, it wasn't fight fires. It was, we responded to medical cause, medical um, calls because of the, really the, the, the dearth of chronic Western disease that we saw, whether it was diabetic emergencies, whether it was angina, chest pain, full-blown heart attacks whether it was lifting assistance calls for people that were literally morbidly obese, 400, 500, 600 pounds, where we're having to 
bring them out of their bedroom or living room to the ambulance. Um, you know, Alzheimer's. We we saw it all up close and personal, and uh, it's it's sad. But I would say ninety percent of our call volume were medical emergencies. Wow. And that's just wow. not that's not unique unique to Austin, Texas. That's how it is uh, all across the United States. Wow! And that kicked you on to kind of wanting to do something about it and run your challenge. Yeah. So so in two thousand and three, we had this little like bet to see who had the lowest cholesterol level, when we were just kind of flapping our gums on the porch one night, trying to be macho and tough, and. Uh, so the next day we, we, we drove the unit down to a laboratory. We all got pricked. And one of my firefighting brothers, his fire, his cholesterol came back at 344. James, I don't Ray, know what that it? is in your terms, but okay. 344, which is just ridiculous. And then we, we quickly found out because he was so just floored and aghast that he was like, yeah, you know, my great grandfather died before 50 of a heart attack. My grandfather died of a heart attack before the age of 50. My father had triple bypass at 51. He was 33. And, um, and so that, you know, having, and he was a very, very well-liked influential guy at our fire station, huge personality. And uh, I just, I challenged him. I said, listen, let's, you know, eat the way I eat. You can see, uh, I'm, I'm not like shriveling up on the vine. Uh, at the time I, I held all these records in the fire department on the treadmill stress test and going up, uh, nine floors of the fire, of the fire tower. Um, and, uh, and they'd seen me, for example, coming out of the water first on NBC, Y world of sports on the Xterra world championship triathlon. This is still when I was, I'm a firefighter. And, uh, so they're like, okay, we're, we're, we're in, we're going to do this in an act of solidarity to help save JR. Um, and it started with just lunches. We, we'd come in and we'd do these, and it was always the same lunch, so we wouldn't blow it. It was, we called it the almighty burrito, and it was this whole grain wrap. And inside we put brown rice, black beans, sauteed mushrooms and onions, uh, and then spinach. And then on top of it, we'd do either a green kind of sauce or a red sauce. And, uh, and that was it. And then after a little while, we decided to go to dinners and then those dinners, uh, we, then we went to breakfast and then I, I, I challenged him and this is keep in mind, things move kind of slow at the fire department. These guys had seen me eating this way for six years. Right. And didn't budge. <laughs> right. And, and would they slag you about it? Were they, were they called, you know, Dr. Sprout, Fireman Sprout, or were they called anything like that? Like, sure. was there a sense Ab of like, Oh, absolutely. I walked in the first day at fire station one on the B shift. This was uh, like March 8th, 1998. And these guys basically said the last, and they didn't even call me vegan. They said the last, the last vegetarian that came through here didn't last two months. Good luck, right? And, uh, and I was older. Remember, I'm almost, I'm 34. So I had a tougher skin and I was used to people badgering me, badgering me about this, but nowhere near what you're going to get like with these crusty old firefighters. Oh my <laughs> gosh. But they're crusty on the outside, but they got hearts of gold. They really do. Hearts the size of watermelons. Um, and I just kind of, kept my head down and I didn't make waves. And 
before you know it, I'm, eat, I'm eating this way for a year at the fire station, two years, three years, four years. And then after four years, myself, JR, and a couple other guys, we decided to transfer to fire station two. Because fire station one, it's great, especially when you're like young and gung-ho. And I was also part of the water rescue team there. Um, but after four years of literally getting maybe two to three hours sleep a night, because wow. that tone is going off all night long because there's four units that are going out of that firehouse, four units between the ambulance, the two engines and the truck. And, and I'd had enough. And, uh, and so had these guys. So we went to fire station two, and then that's where the magic happened. And we were able to get everybody on board with this plan strong lifestyle, but eventually, so it moved slowly, but we went from lunches to lunches and dinners, lunches, dinners, breakfast. And then I challenged JR to do this at home as well. So when you're home, also do this. And then let's check and see what your cholesterol does after 28 days. And this was back in 2003, right? 2003, 2004. And it dropped 146 points in 28 wow. days. Right. I mean, that's better. You, you don't have statins that are that effective. And of course, you don't have any of the side effects and you're affecting change uh, at the root causation. Right. As opposed to just, you know, smoking mirrors and, 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 and making your numbers look pretty. Wow. And also you probably lost weight. It's probably, you know, his oh. microbiome would improve. There was so Blood many other beneficial energy. side well, effects that we've seen well, through. Back then, we didn't know what a microbiome was. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> I mean, literally the 2003, 2004, that wasn't even part of the conversation, but yes, lost weight, gastrointestinal distress, went away, constipation, thing of the past, sleeping better, all those intangibles, you know, increased energy. Um, yeah. Yeah. All of a, all of a sudden things got, uh, got pretty glorious. <laughs> yep. And then, and then, and then, and the beautiful thing is, and then that inspired everybody at the firehouse to start eating this way on the C shift, the A, the B shift and the A shift, they still ridiculed us and, you know, made fun of us and put beef, beef posters all over the, the, um, the, the kitchen. And I think it was in 2006, we got an award from PETA, right? People for people for the ethical treatment of animals. Um, it was the, the most, the most um, friendly firehouse in the country award. And it was this frog that was kind of jumping through the air and it was, you know, awarded to fire station two. They, it was really nice and pretty. And then we put it up on the wall and it, it within one shift, it was desecrated with, you know, a, a, a shish kebab going through the, the frog and, you know, a mustache and just a jillion other things, but that's, that's how it is in the fire department. <laughs> so lads, alpha males competing, yeah. but, but so this is, so we started a tradition back in 2000, really 2003, 2004. And, you know, it continued until about 2009. And when somebody got retired or promoted or transferred to another station, the list of people that wanted to come in to fire station two on the C shift and be part of our little plan, strong culture. I mean, it was, there were stacks of resumes of firefighters wanting to come in because 
they wanted a piece of what we had and they knew they sensed that it was special and the word got out and you know we were written up in the new york times and the, the npr did a big article on us you know, a bunch of you know firefighters in austin texas eating a bunch of plants i mean we were we were anomalies and and you wrote a book on it didn't you engine too because i remember I, <laughs> getting that like in 2004 or something like. yeah yeah you know that was my first book the engine Two diet came out in 2009 um yeah and i wrote about kind of the escapades that, that we were doing at fire station two and i talked about my father and his research and uh and how all these chronic western diseases really are are preventable with something as simple as uh is what you're putting on your fork and uh and then we i also the last half of that book i had about 125 recipes as well um but yeah and i can remember we were so ahead of our time when i wrote this in 2009 that the publishing house in the recipes they required me to have a certain amount of recipes that also had an option where you could add fish or chicken to the mix and i was so against it um but i agreed to do it and in following editions we completely removed um all the fish and, and all the chicken and what's interesting is is i mean this was one of the the largest publishing houses in the country uh, in the world hachette and and now you know they're bringing on probably five to ten plant plant-based books a year i mean it is crazy what's going on that's well, amazing. Similarly, uh, with our second book, I remember we'd written all the recipes vegan and our wonderful editor, editor she just felt the market wasn't ready for that. So in a number <laughs> of the photos, she insisted on having butter just in the photo and things like this, just that it seemed more accessible. I think she made us include at least two recipes that like had yeah, cheese Yeah, because, because she just felt it was too strange and, you know, she was amazing and all that. And same but, with our yeah. first book, it was the same. They wanted a few dairy recipes because it was 2000 and... It just yeah. it was felt that the market wasn't ready for it, but subsequently there's just been, as you said, just such a shift in a landslide that it's actually fashionable now to eat a whole food plant based diet or to be vegan or to oh. be conscious around your what you put in your fork, as you say. It really is, and it, it to me it is absolutely mind blowing how it, it at warp speed at which this movement is progressing because it it just it, it seemed like it was just like trudging along for so long. I mean, I saw, you know, my father starting this in 1984, you know, John McDougall starting it in the 1970s, Colin Campbell and his work going back to the China study in the 1980s. And then, you know, you can go back to the 19, late 1940s and 50s with Walter Critican. Kempner, right? And at, at Duke, uh, it's, it's nutty, but uh, I mean, since 2009, since I wrote The Engine 2 Diet, uh, and sh I mean, when I wrote that book, there was maybe a handful of plant-based books that were out there, literally a handful. And now there are thousands, thousands, right? And, and we know what's happening now with, gosh, what's going on with the, the planet heating up and, you know, the, the contribution that animal agriculture makes to global greenhouse gas emissions. Um, and I think as a species, we're also becoming a little bit more tuned into our, to our empathy and compassion. And this just, this is a lifestyle that we need to kick to the curb. This, 
this, you know, 80, us eating 80 billion animals annually as a, as a world for our, just because of our insatiable consumption for animal, for animal protein. Um, and, uh, and I think we're rapidly, you know, making headway against that. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where we are, I think, in another five years. Yeah, totally agree. How, and then how did when you started to make progress with Engine 2 and people started seeing the benefit of a plant-based diet, did eventually these kind of arch carnivores and these arch alpha males suddenly kind of go, well, maybe I'll eat some of your bean burrito your too. Kale. Or did, did it like, I, I know you ran a number of courses. I remember seeing it in yeah. Game Changers and reading up about it that, you know, it started to catch more traction. Are there more more and more firehouses adopting more a plant-strong diet? Or how, how is how's the kind of the waters now in terms of vegetable consumption and what firefighters? What are the like around the firehouse now? <laughs> it's funny. No, I, I went to Fire Station 2 not too, not too long ago, and they completely remodeled it. This thing was built in the 1930s, and they gave it a complete revamp. So there's, it's so sterile now. There's nothing on the walls, no posters, no anything. Um, but to get back to your question, um, no, it's remarkable uh, since I wrote Engine 2, how many different fire departments have reached out to me to come and give, give lectures. Uh, to their firefighters, um, because firehouses across the country are dealing with the same level, if not a higher incident of obesity, type 2 diabetes, uh, cancer, and all these things. And so there's some really forward-thinking um, fire departments and also firefighters that are kind of heading up the wellness departments that are realizing that one of the most important things these firefighters can do is, is eat healthier um, because it truly is one of the most toxic food cultures on the planet. And that's why all these firefighters are dying of heart attacks on the job. Um, can I ask you a question? Yeah. Yeah. What was it like? Uh, like Game Changers was obviously a massive movie, which has kind of kicked on, you know, it brought a lot more people interested in fruit and veg and whatnot. And you had a great segment in it, like a brilliant segment. What was that like being in part in it? And what's it been like? What's the wave been like, you know, around that for you personally? Yeah. So first, I just got to, you know, give a tip of the hat to to James Wilkes and Joseph Pace. This was, you know, their brainchild going back to 2012. Um, I actually was one of the early um, uh, early executive producers in the in the uh, in the film, and so I got to see firsthand what they went through. Uh, I mean, this thing didn't come out as you guys probably know till 2019. So I mean, oh my gosh, these guys just they kept their shoulder to the grindstone. They did not give up. Um, but it was, you know, and it was, I think it was Joseph Pace's idea to kind of, I'd love to get you Rip, talking to a bunch of New York city firefighters, the most iconic firefighters in the world, right? That if you can get through to these guys, you can get through to anybody. And, uh, and we were able to make it happen. You know, I can, you guys know who John Joseph is? Yeah. 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 Love yeah, yeah. 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 So you know, connected with John Joseph, he was able to, you know, pull some strings with some of his firefighting buddies. And, uh, and we were able to make this thing happen. Um, and so we ended up with about, 
50 New York City firefighters that agreed to take the Engine 2 seven-day rescue challenge. That's the, the name of my third book. And it's based upon um, almost six years of work that I did. So I was, you guys know this. I was an ambassador, health eating ambassador for Whole Food Market stores for a decade. And one of the things we did is starting in 2010, we did these seven-day healthy eating uh, immersion programs where we would take some of Whole Foods' sickest team members. They had to medically qualify to attend because they were so overweight or had such high blood sugar levels or they were diabetic or they had an LDL cholesterol that was over 130 or total cholesterol over 250. And... Um, and what we discovered is that in seven days, we could make a serious dent on these people's health and all their, the litany of their before and after um, uh, numbers, right? And so this, it totally gave me the confidence to basically go and do this with these New York City firefighters. Now, to make sure that these guys didn't blow it, we actually purchased them food for seven days, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and uh, gave them the bags, and they did it, and these guys hit it out of the park. And as you saw in the Game, Changer, Game Changers movie, you know, one of these guys dropped his cholesterol 107 points in seven days. The average weight loss was a little over six pounds. Uh, the blood pressure drop was about, I think, 10 on the, on the systolic five on the diastolic, uh, these guys felt better. And I stay in touch with a good handful of these guys to this day that are still going plant strong and absolutely loving it. Uh, but so, <clears throat> yes, it was a very, very powerful scene in the movie. Um, and, uh, it's, it's, it's just added. It's added to the, the level of interest in, uh, in firefighters embracing this lifestyle and other people embracing the lifestyle and people, you know, emailing me asking to do, to do lectures or talks or all that kind of stuff. You guys, you guys know the, the score there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, but it was cool. Like, yeah, hugely influential movie anyway. You know, it just, there was, you know, obviously we've been in this, the plant-based movement for a couple of decades and certainly game changers um, certainly widened the net a huge amount and really made it much more attractive for males in particular and yeah. people that were typically against eating more plants, you know, they became well, suddenly a lot more curious. And the cool, you're absolutely. Um, and the cool thing is that I talked to James just last week and he was telling me now that um, to their best guesstimate, the number of people that have viewed the game changes is now over a hundred million, which now makes it now makes it the most viewed documentary of all time on the history of the planet. So that's, wow. that's, that's pretty fantastic. Again, Good. going back to, you know, this movement is it's a, it's a warp speed. Now it is going so fantastically fast and it's so wonderful and it really can't go fast enough. Um, you know, given where we are right now with the, the warming of the planet. Yeah. What do your folks think about it? What's your dad think about it? Because I know he's such a, he's, he's ne never anyone to rest on his laurels. He's always kind of driven and driving on to the next thing, as is your mom. 
Yeah, I know. So, so you mean, what was my dad's opinion of the game changers? No, the game changers, but really what's going on now. And kind of like, as you were saying, like, you know, there is mass, there is much bigger adoption of a plant-based diet. There's much more interest, but like, as we see it, there's kind of almost a split in society. There's more and more people are moving more into eating more plants, but then just on the compete, like nearly to the exact same degree, there's people are, there's more obesity, as you said, there's more heart disease, there's more cancer, there's more of the other stuff as well. So it seems like the binariness that's not a word, but there's no, like good a stark effort. contrast between like good and evil. Or if you know what I mean, I, that, that isn't right. But yeah. it's almost like watching a movie. You that know? was a great question, Dave. It wasn't really a question. It was a ramble. No, yeah. really. <laughs> <laughs> a ramble around the bushes. <laughs> it was beautiful. I loved it. So and I, would t- I would tell you that my father is. <sighs> so the, one of the reasons my dad has had the success that he has is because in, in, in everything that he's done in life, is because he can singularly focus like nobody I know. And he also can be very myopic. So right now, his, his singular focus is really um, on heart disease. And you know everything that he's reading, all the conversations that he has all day long on the phone, you know, it's, and he will expand his knowledge base on that. So you know, he'll tell you all about the endothelial cells and nitric oxide and what we want to do to enhance the production of the nitric oxide synthase enzyme that we have, uh, all of us have, uh, to really blow up the nitric oxide. Um, but kind of like at a world level and what's going on, everything like that, he's not your man. He's not your guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Amazing. Um, one thing I'd love to ask you, Rip, you've got into making products and I know we've a lot of experience with kind of releasing products and, you know, the challenge of reaching scale and the having the ideal is in the best quality product you can, can while still hitting economic margins, while still Ooh. managing distribution. Like it's such a journey. And, and it's a journey and capitalism in, and trade-offs and kind of wondering at, at like, how do you, how do you balance all this and how's it all going? Cause I know, I know last time we were chatting, you were saying you were just releasing a big range nationwide and I'd love to hear how that's going. What's going on? How's it going? What are the struggles? Yeah. What are the wins? Yeah, let me, let me, hold on. Let me, I'm going to grab some packaging really quick. So, so you guys, I have so much respect for you guys and what you've done in the food space, because it is, it's one of the hardest things I've ever had to basically um, wrestle with is, is, is getting the food, getting it to exactly where you want it, especially at that, you know, huge scale, getting the packaging just right. And now what I'm realizing is, you know, between the supply chain, so your supplier partner and your warehousing and your freight, and then the distribution, and your business is really reliant upon all these different aspects. And for them, they, they don't think about it or care about it as much as you do. And so that to me is the most frustrating part of it. But I think we're going to figure this thing out. And I think it's going to be one of the most gratifying, satisfying things that, uh, that I've done as an entrepreneur. Um, so for example, you know, we've got, 
you can see here, like this is our, our, our plant sprung veggie broth. It's the lowest sodium broth on the, on the market at 35 I like the milligrams. I love the branding. I think it's really yeah, nice. And then you can see the, the back there, right? Eat strong food. We don't have any added oils. We don't have any added sugars. Everything is no added. It's a nice sugars. handsome picture of you on it. Woof, rip. Oh, yeah. Handsome one right green. there. <laughs> And then we've got we got the chili. So we got some we got oh, I saw we, that firehouse chili. I like the packaging. Looks good. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And uh so we we got that. We've got another, we got a white bean chili as well. We've got nice. a you guys know what a kitchery It's it's an Indian yeah. lentil stew. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it is such a simple, wonderful dish. Uh we've got this as, as chefs. Do you guys sweet corn broth? You guys ever do a sweet corn nice. broth? No, that really, sounds no. great. Oh yeah, baby, that's right. That's <laughs> right there. Well, corn is more Texas. Like you need the heat in Ireland. We don't really oh, like grow do corn. Oh, do it. You can make a great paella with that corn. And then here's the, we got the the Rip's big bowl cereal. Bowl. I was waiting for it. I was yeah, ready yeah. for it. And yeah, rip yeah. ate it all. So what's in your I big did, bowl? Did, what's I in your it. big bowl? Because this is fueled. This has fueled your triathlons, and this has been like uh, you know a trademark of Rip yeah. Esselstyn. Yeah. It is the big bowl, baby. And then we got granolas. We got four different varieties of granolas as well. Uh, we Are these all low oil? We got a popcorn. Nice. Um, Jeez, you got quite a number of products. How many of the products are you up to now? So we got about 18 right now. But Good we're, only going, we're going, only going into retail with the four broths and the, uh, the two chilies and the two stews. We're coming out with four soups here in two, early 2022. But what we've learned, and you know, maybe you guys feel the same way, is um, at retail we got to be a little more strategic and surgical, uh, especially if we're gonna, you know, the the game plan is to be in several thousand different doors here in the next two three years, um, and then online is where we're gonna have more of a master brand presence where people can get their their cereals and their granolas and their soups and their Bros and their pizza crust. We got these great uh, pizza crusts that come with a engine two approved um, sauce as well. But I want to get back to. So it is so hard using these clean ingredients without doing the added oils, uh, any of the preservatives and stuff like that to to kind of keep the shelf life and to keep stuff from molding. Um, and if you knew just all the different products we've gone through. And this started with me in, with Whole Foods back in 2010 to where we are now. You, I mean, you really have to find manufacturers that are willing to think outside the proverbial you know, box and really work with you. I mean, for example, with this Thai carrot chickpea stew that we have, we had to go back and forth, back and forth 32 times before we actually got it just right. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a labor of love. It's a labor of love. And, um, you know, there's, there, it, it, it's really, it's about mitigating all the obstacles, all the fires that are thrown up on a day-to-day basis. And if you can, I think, continue to grind and not give up and figure out a way financially that it doesn't bury you, I think you can come out on the other side uh, and, and be okay, but you got to have the stomach for it. And I can't tell you, I mean, how many nights I've woken up at 3am because I've been, uh, so I've been away from whole foods now for two years, almost two years. 
And so I've been out on my own. I self-funded this thing for the first year, recently did a, a, an, uh, a series A round with uh, kind of a angel investors, family and friends, raised two and a half million dollars, you know, to kind of make this thing happen. But um, how many nights I've woken up at 3 a.m. going, I don't think I have the stomach for this. I really don't think I have a stomach for this. And, uh, and then you kind of get out and you're, you know, going through the day and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Yes, I can do this. Yes. And then it's, so it's, it's been a real roller coaster, but I, I've got a great team now that I'm super happy about. Um, and we're, everybody's plant strong. Everybody's committed to the, to the project and, and what we're trying to achieve here. And uh, I think we got a, a, a good shot of, of, of making it. Jeez, well done. Yeah, we, we know that the, the challenges, I guess we've got, I think we've got 50 products in a thousand stores in Ireland and have dabbled with going beyond it a number of times. Yeah. But we know the challenges of, of manufacturing, like we manufacture quite a number ourselves and then we outsource manufacturing from other people. But yeah, we really know the challenges of it. And our br younger brother, Darrow, does in particular. He's amazing. He's got an iron stomach. He's but definitely... What a fun game. Yeah, it really is a fun game. But like, they, they kind of are your chill. Like, and we obviously have children ourselves, but they're, there's so much embodied energy goes into these products that they do become like your, you know, like you, by the time you've tasted, you know, the 700 version of a certain <laughs> product and like and try to refine it and tweak it and evolve it and make sure the shelf life lasts and make sure that the packaging is sufficient and, you know, and still being aware that the customer is going to criticize it and kind of go, it's 50 cents too much or whatever it might be. You know, it's challenging. It yeah, is it really, really is. challenging. No, you're you're so right. And then and then once you start running the math and you're like, OK, if I if I get this. If my cost from the supplier partner is three bucks and then everybody's got their hand out along the way, right? Asking it. And then as a, to be a viable business, you really need, like, you got to get at least 40% gross margin in there. All of a sudden you've got a product at shelf that, you know, like this cereal here, if I want to have this at like whole foods at retail, it would be $10 and 50 cents. And that's not going to be viable. No, yes. Um, right. So, I mean, you immediately can figure out what products are going to work and what aren't going to work just from a economic standpoint. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah, we know yeah that's it. the challenge between, like, that's the challenge that we find between doing what makes, like, you've got, we've got a business and we've got people who, whose families who work uh, with us. Dare I'd say it's one of the greatest challenges of our business. It's wrought with, we're two idealists and two dreamers who want to do the right thing and do it perfectly. And then yeah. we're running a business within uh, capitalism that needs to be economically sound. So it's a constant juxtaposition and a constant knife edge that you constantly kind of have to adjust and find your edge and what works but it's a beautiful dance and some days it goes well and some days you stand all over each other's toes but it's great yeah yeah no it's it's so true and and you know as a as a fledgling startup too you're also wrestling with minimum order quantities so you know and and they're not going to give you the best cost, especially if you're just doing a run of, let's say, 30,000 units, right? I mean, they're used to doing stuff for, you know, 150,000, 200,000, just as an example. And you're coming in saying, hey, you know, believe in me. And I think we got a pretty special thing going here. Will you, will you kind of come down on your minimum order quantity and work with us here? And, you know, uh, we've been very fortunate. We've been able to do that. But again, 
when I was with Whole Foods, right, Engine 2 was a Whole Food Market exclusive brand. So I didn't have to worry about all these headaches. Whole Foods, you know, because they're, they're, they got such a fantastic reputation and they're doing so well, um, you know, everything was on them from the, the, the lawyers, the graphic design work, uh, packaging, shelf life testing, you name it. I, I was just, I was just going around to the stores, you know, doing, you know, the, the rah, rah, you can you, come on, let's get plants growing together. And, and now for two years, I've been immersed in the, the detail, uh, the, the, in the, the weeds, the, the guts, the, 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 uh, the, guts the microbiome of, of food production. And what's the goal? What's the big goal? So what are you trying to achieve? So I, the, our goal, our, my, the mission is basically to create the most nutritious, delicious, and convenient plant-based foods on the planet, right? And, and, and I mean, we want to, we, I think, so, you know, I'm going to take a step back here. And where do we start this? This movement is going at light speed. You know what's happening in the the plant-based movement right now, as far as all the plant-based meats and cheeses and dairy products and milks that are and ice that are everywhere, and hot right? dogs and- Every, everywhere. But to me, what is sorely missing right now are healthy and nutritious, delicious plant-based products. And so to me, what we're doing with Plant Strong is something that really nobody else is doing. So we're 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 the nexus of health and taste meat. That's where Plant Strong is. And I think we're we're pioneers. We were with Engine 2 at Whole Foods back in 2010. We were the first exclusively all plant-based food line, I think, that ever existed. And so the goal here is to set the standard so that more and more companies start producing healthy whole food plant-based foods as opposed to unhealthy, crappy plant-based foods that aren't going to raise our health any higher than if we were, you know, eating, eating animal products. We, we find it, we find it's a balance between like the tinkering of, there's the ideology of having like there's raw vegetables and then there's kind of processing raw vegetables and just selling them kind of like vegetable soups and vegetable yeah, chilies yeah. and dals and whatever, which has got nothing, no seasonings, no salts, no, like they're super healthy. But then there's the reality that we're all going to die at some point and you want but are we food to- remember remember we talked about it. you're going to live for 150 200 yeah <laughs> who knows I, I i haven't met anyone that's lived to 150 um not yet but, yes d- yeah definitely but uh it's kind of like you know there's as you said it's a fine balance between you know you called it health jevity or whatever it was being healthy like health span your health, health span. span yeah and i think we find it as a food business that it's a balance between having really tasty food and super healthy food. And there's a balance between it because we have some products that are really, really healthy. And then we have other products that are in categories that are typically less healthy, but yep. they're healthy versions of it. So we've got like, you know, snack bars that are in like a snack bar category that is typically protein bars and ultra processed foods. And ours are made of like 90% whole foods, but there is a couple of like, there's things that make them sweet because that's the category that it's in. So we yep. find it as a food business is a balance between being completely healthy 
and then finding that balance, you know, and this is having cafes and restaurants that like people won't eat the food unless it tastes really good first and foremost. So it's to taste really good and it has to be healthy. And there's a balance between it because if you go too healthy, you know, it's no too biased it. and no one wants to buy it. And it's only suitable for monks and nuns, yep. you know, or people <laughs> with clean palates. But that's the, and, and you are so right there. And that is the difference between the old brand Engine 2 and the new brand Plant Strong is that Engine 2, we were just, I mean, we were just supremely healthy, but a lot you of were our products You are very pious. But we weren't that, we weren't that tasty. Does that brand right? still Some exist? What? Does that brand still exist, Engine 2? Is that still no, there? En- engine, two, engine 2 has gone by the way of the dodo bird. Right? <laughs> uh, bye bye, <laughs> yeah. dodo. It's gone extinct. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but that's so, but the, the, the new, the new transformation, and you can see, we still pay a little homage engine two up here in the, oh, yeah, you nice can see work, it. Right? there it is. Plant strong. RIP yeah, engine two. Yeah. We can't ever forget engine two. That's our, that's our roots. That's where we started. Um, but plant strong it's, this is, this is the new, this is the plant strong era. And, um, I like that. I like so that. I like that. I like that they're like plant strong. It's nice that it's not like vegan only. It's like plant strong. It's encouraging people. It's bringing yeah. people to eat more fruit and veg, which is really nice. Well, and it's, it, yeah. And to me, it, 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 it's kind of like you guys. I mean, it's, it's happy. It's cheery. It's optimistic. It's, you know, we, we, you don't have to be perfect. Right. But we just want you to be, we want you to be strong as opposed to plant strong instead of plant weak. Cause right now you guys have seen the data. I mean, most Americans, 94% of their daily calories are not coming from whole plants. Refined carbohydrates, animal products, dairy products. So let's let's go from being plant weak to plant strong. Um, yeah. I yeah. Love woo, that. Woo. Okay. Okay. Last last question for Europe. What are you interested in at the moment? Ooh. What interests you? <clears throat> What's taking your curiosities? You know, I think the thing that is um, got me going right now more than anything are, are my kids and what's going on with the growth of my kids. I mean, I've got a son that just turned 14. He's, uh, he's going to be a freshman in high school. And so it is when I'm not working, it is spending quality time with my wife and my three kids. There's almost nothing that gives me as much joy as, as our little our little tribe and how wonderful it is, how hard it is, how, but also how beautiful it is. What Um, age are all your kids? So I've got, so I got married late in life. I got married for the first time when I was 43 and I've got a 14 year old son named Cole, 12 year old daughter named Sophie and a seven year old daughter named Hope. And each and every one of them are so vastly unique and different. You guys know how it is because you've got kids. Um, but they're constantly teaching you lessons on life. Um, and they are just little miracles. And <laughs> that, that to me is the, the thing that I want to continue to work at. And I love doing little vacations with each one of them individually. So I get to focus in just on them. Uh, like, for example, my, my, we, the, the two oldest ones, they went to a canoeing camp up in the Boundary Waters. And that's when we went up to uh, the, the North Shore of Lake Superior. 
but before, and my wife took them and dropped them off. And so I got to spend a week alone with my seven-year-old daughter, Hope, and really get to know her, just her and me and that dynamic. And I saw her in a way that I'd never seen her before. Um, so that was, that was fantastic. Um, but so, so this will be something that I am working on until the day I die. And that is just the relationship with my wife, the relationship with my kids and, uh, and that, that family dynamic that I don't know if there's anything quite as, as wonderful or beautiful in life. I think that's a beautiful way to finish. I'm with you, Rip. Perfect. Beautiful. Perfect. Lovely. Totally agree. Thank you, Rip. You've been wonderful. It's been really, really lovely to chat to you and just I hang out. I look forward out. to doing pull-ups with you. Yes. Oh, I want to learn how to do that handstand, right? From the floor up to a handstand and then back down. That's what I want. Easy. You do it in 30 days. If you spend five minutes a day that you do it in 30 days, try and get oh. your 14-year-old boy to do it with you. Set a challenge together. You and Five Cole. minutes a day, documented. Put it out there in social media so you got social accountability. Woo. Spend five minutes a day. Watch YouTube videos. You crack it in 30 days. Easy. There's a challenge for you, Rip Asselson. There's a challenge for you. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, you've Are laid you it down. Laid it Do out you there. accept? All right. So 30 days, what, what YouTube channel do I, do I watch? In order just, to I just type in how to do a handstand as a beginner and watch a few videos. Like literally in 15 minutes, you'll figure out that you got to do it against a wall and then you yeah. got to do it the other way against the wall. And then It'd you be gotta... a good one for you and Cole to do together and to shoot little videos and just document it. A friend Joe Wicks often would do for a month. He'd go, this month's challenge is I'm going to try to do 50 pull-ups in a row. And he says, I'm most likely not going to do it, but he put it out there and he'd ask people to do it with him and he just, Try to do it. And he'd use that sense of social accountability to hold himself to a higher standard. And I often really admire him for it. Wow. Wow. Okay. I accept the challenge. So there we go. So anyone listening, check out Rip for his journey. He's going to be documenting his journey, potentially, highly likely on social media, possibly with his son, Cole. So you got to do a start ones and finish ones so people can join you on the journey, Rip. So you know what's so funny about, about that is that I posted on Instagram just yesterday, are you showing up in life? Are you pushing past your comfort zone? And, uh, and here, here we are, man. You guys pushing are pushing back at your rip. You guys are pushing me, man. <laughs> <laughs> with love, with love, with rip. Love. Uh, well, thanks so much, rip. You're brilliant. You really, really are. Uh, thanks for taking the time. People can find your products plant strong around the U S I imagine on the website. Yeah. Yeah, we're, well, yeah, either at plantstrongfoods.com or uh, at Whole Foods, Whole Food Market stores until November, and then we're going to be spreading out throughout the U.S. Brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. And send our love on to your family, on to your mom and your dad and to Jane and all the Esselson tribe. You know I will. And I got to get over and swim in the, in the six degree Celsius water with you guys. That's yeah, fun. There Anytime we we'll be there all winter. <laughs> <laughs> thanks Cheers, Rip. Rip. thanks again you're brilliant really appreciate it thank you guys thanks Mill, for listening to that I hope you really enjoyed it Rip is a legend uh, and just a great man to hang out with I yeah hanging out. thanks for listening to this podcast we're most grateful we've done loads of episodes well loads for us it's about 30 our community series was brilliant we most enjoyed it so if you haven't listened to that please do check it out and yeah we're genuinely most grateful we and really please are. contact us on social media any bits any kind of podcast that you like please share we will repost them uh, and kind of give us any feedback on guests you'd like to see us in the future because this is a pet project that we adore something so close to our heart and something we're finding remarkably um, 
educational for us. So yeah, thanks, Mel, and wishing you a good day ahead. Bye. Cheers, bye.